Hey you, listen here and listen now. Your promotional product shouldn't just be used for swag and giveaways at events and trade shows. Heck, when's the last time you've been to a trade show? March 2019. Sir Rich and Virgin Airline guy said, If you focus on your employees, you'll never have to worry about your customers again. So why not use more promotional products on your employees? This is Creative Promotional Marketing's speciality. They will show you what to use to support company initiatives internally with employee incentive programs, from milestone recognition to promote employee loyalty and longevity, incentives to promote corporate values, and safety incentive programs to increase workplace safety. Who doesn't like going home at the end of the day alive with a Yeti mug? To learn more about creative promotional marketing, visit their website at acreativeagency.ca or follow creative on Instagram at creative underscore y underscore team to see more marketing tips and check out their showcase project to see what they have to offer. And coming up on April 22nd, you'll be able to attend a free virtual presentation by creative agency's very own Kelly Tran. If you'd like to attend this free virtual presentation, contact kelly at acreativeagency.ca to learn more and to register. You're listening to the Prairie Contractor Podcast. Hello, all my fellow chippy, sparkies, coaches, friends, family, and all those in between. Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Contractor Podcast. My name is Kyle Colomb, owner of Dynamic General Contracting Limited, and your host for this podcast. Hope you're all doing well. The sun is starting to warm the Edmonton area and hopefully bringing you promising things. To start the show, We have the great news. We are now live and active on Apple Podcasts. So for all of you who are Apple Kool-Aid drinkers, you you can download to your feed there and listen away. So looking forward to having many more listeners have easy access to our podcast. I've gotten some great feedback about the podcast. Now, my goal is to broadcast to western canada hence the reference to the prairies in our title so far my listeners have mentioned that the subject of business seems to resonate best with them so from now on i'm going to keep that in mind this week i had the pleasure of sitting down with who i think is a very genuine person he's a community builder a team builder and builder of all things mechanical hvac and refrigeration related This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with who I think is a very genuine person. He is a community builder, a team builder, and a builder of all things mechanical, HVAC, and refrigeration related. I'd like to welcome the owner of Soul Mechanical, Jeremy Fetima. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. I'd like to introduce my guest. He is the organizer of Chaos, and his favorite holiday is Halloween. He is local business owner of Soul Mechanical. Welcome, Jeremy Fetima. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Looking forward to it. 
Yes, exciting. Like I kind of wing it kind of podcasts are usually pretty interesting. So I'm excited to where where this will potentially go because I, I definitely identify with you quite a bit with like the experiences that you've had and kind of the mentality you have to your business. So this should be a fantastic conversation. So I just wanted to start off by uh, introducing you because we have a group that knows knows you fairly well, but uh, some of my listeners probably don't know who Jeremy Fetterman is. So I just wanted to start off with you uh, telling a little, little bit about yourself, uh, the journey that you took from uh, entering into the construction business to owning your own mechanical business. So uh, how did you decide to get into the line of work of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to say HVAC and refrigeration? Yeah, I mean... My trade ticket is refrigeration. Um, how did I go from refrigeration to being a business owner? That's a that's a long-winded story through a <laughs> twisted path. Um, they always are. <laughs> yeah, well, those, that's the best way, right? I, uh, I've done a little bit of everything in my career, from building grocery stores to fixing data centers to managing data centers as a property manager to, uh, I don't know, an infrastructure manager for the government for a while. And Every job I had kind of always had the same thing. Somebody else got to tell me what to do. And I quickly have come to learn I don't like being told what to do. I like to do things my way, you know, with, with feedback. And it's, it's not that I'm, a, I've never left a job disgruntled. I was happy everywhere I worked. I had great jobs, great pay, great bosses. But I was always missing something. So I was always looking for that next thing, right? Looking for that next job. And it, and it was never fulfilled. And I can tell you, you know, with all honesty, the last three, four years, it's fulfilled. I, I'm happy. I get up and I want to go to work and I'm excited about it. Even when it's rough and it's crazy days and long hours. And I still, I, I love it. I want it to be in charge of my own ship. And uh, that's a goal that I've met. I, I'm, I'm sailing it. I don't know where awesome. it's going, but I'm behind yeah. the wheel. <laughs> that is like the greatest analogy of an entrepreneur or business owner. It's like that ship has sailed. It has no compass. Wherever the wind's going to take you, that's that's basically what you can expect. And probably probably a note I could throw your way. And I feel this, this is how I feel. Like, I think owning your own business to a certain degree ruins you like to become an employee. Like if it ever worked out, like I don't know. I'm pretty sure like 99% like there's it'd be really tough to go back to being an employee for someone yeah you know it's you don't even realize just how much you like to do things the way that you want to do it I worked for some large companies I worked for Siemens for a short period and Ainsworth doing sales and used to drive me nuts the the processes and the this and, and the, the lack of flexibility so, you know, when you own your own, it's so much more flexible. What I, and I don't mean flexibility in regards to like coming and going when I want or that sort of thing. I mean, flexibility on pricing, on a job, on strategy, on marketing. It's amazing how much, how much more input you have when it's yours, right? It's a hundred percent my decision. I don't, I don't have to ask anybody else. I don't need your permission. I, I get to make those decisions on the fly, like them or, or like them, love them or hate them. They're, Even they're a- even a personal development too, right? Like the business technically, like a large corporation technically is going to have their say on, on the personal development side. Like they're going to like make you take the disc assessment and say, Oh, you're this type of person. Well, we're going to direct you to, uh, you know, either, (laughs) 
either leadership courses if you're more prone to being a leadership or they might send you to a counselor if you've got these weird, <laughs> these <Yes>. weird tendencies, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. And I mean, <clears throat> it, you know what I find super funny is the longer I'm in business, though, the more I realize why they got to be the way that they are. It's certainly not as... Um, it's not as simple as you think it is when you start, right? Yeah. I had uh, I had totally different aspirations four years ago or three years ago. I think it's four years now than what I did in the beginning. You know, I, I remember thinking at one point, man, if I could have four techs, what what a life I would have. You know, four and we share work <laughs> together, and we, you know, it, it'd be like this this pseudo family and. You know, I've got 12 now and all I can think about is how do I get 20? I think I need 20 because that, <laughs> that's, <works>. yeah. <laughs> that's the number, right? It, it's the it's the moving target, right? You throw a dart at a wall and you hope you got it and you just yeah. change. Well, it's forecasting too. Like uh, people don't realize when you've got that employee of... Uh, like each employee is basically a revenue amount. So it's like, you have to look, okay, I did this much in the past six months. And this is what we're looking at the six months. Like either saying, Nope, I don't need anybody or I better get, I better get looking for two or three more, more employees text. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's the, uh, the hard part of owning a business a lot of times. Well, and, and when you feel I'm quite close to everybody that works for me, right? They're my friends. I, I know their wives, their kids. So I'm accountable to them, right? Yep. So it's it's scary when you hire new people or, you know, do I have enough work to keep everybody busy? Can I keep them all going? And as, as the owner, what I'm learning is I'm tired of wearing 10 hats. It's exhausting. <laughs> yep. So you start doing the math. And I mean, I don't have a business degree or a background. I'm a trades guy who just said, that's it. I'm trying, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to figure this out hell or high water. That's most so you, of us. Well, that, that is a lot of people, right? Yeah. So you start doing the math though and you go, man, if I don't want to do everything and I want to pay somebody to do this, I got to make X amount of dollars. Yeah. I've yeah. explained to people in the past, it's not about the money. It's not that I want to be rich and famous and I'm not like, I'm not looking to put millions of dollars in my pocket. I, I just don't want to have to do every piece. <laughs> I, I want good, competent people to help and, yeah. and build something i think the better description is that like we want a retirement where either like i'm i'm more of of, of the uh, mindset like or not really the mindset i like the romance of the ideas like the business dies with me like I, you know i i don't know if i could be the person that like fully retires and could sit like in my a house condo retirement home like i need to, i need to be doing something my wife says yeah that's very true it's just like uh, when I started this podcast, she was like, okay, what's the next step? Are you going to start your own church after this? Like, <laughs> I'm sure at some point it'll narrow out and I'll just be able to focus on the business aspect of it. But uh, I just like that idea of like, just the business just keeps going on till I run out and then it basically dissolves. Like, I don't even think of the idea of having a, um, what's the term? A, uh, transition to like my kids or people like people to yeah. buy business like I, I i don't want that idea i want you know if i build something that's amazing and you know you know lasts the test of time when it's when i'm done it's done and there's 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 no no bad story at the end of it essentially right see that's funny i got a totally different outlook i i look at the people that work for me and i, and I want them to be successful yeah. so i'm like in the back of my mind it's always like how how do i 
how do I get them to the next level? How do I get the people that want more? Because I always felt when I worked places, it was like, okay, you're here, here, you're, you're the refrigeration mechanic, you're the PM, you're the sales guy, that's it. There's never anything more. So, you know, for me, it's, I want to build something that includes other people. I'd like to have, you know, someday I, I, I talk about it with my staff. I'm sure they think I'm full of shit, but, you know, I want an employee owned business. And for part of that is because I, I want the people that put the effort in and have worked with me through the hard times to be successful. And, and, and it's an out plan, right? Like at some point, if they own it, somebody else takes the rein and keeps going. But like you're talking about for me, it's not for a legacy. Like I don't, I don't need a book written about my business. I couldn't care less, but right. I just yeah. think it, it, it would be so great to know that along the way I brought friends and family and I, and I brought them with me and, and they, you know, they made their way through the business and they, they bought shares and they've, yeah. you know, they've accomplished something because I would be nothing without the people that work for me. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I wouldn't have anything. Oh, and that's great. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a more complex succession plan. That's the term I was looking for than, than yeah, it's totally, yeah, it's totally yeah. And I'm learning that because I'm trying to figure it out now, right. Yeah. As I'm, you know, when you start looking for, you know, your second and, and some other leadership people, it's like, what do I do to attract somebody? How do I get somebody interested? Yeah, that's a good idea. Like there's tons of companies that have, that's essentially sell shares to their employees just to get that commitment. And, and uh, it's, it's definitely uh, one, I think a good, great way to, to look at, you know, enticing people to stick around and make a commitment for sure. And um, in our chat, like obvious, not obviously, but it, like to me, your your choice to go into refrigeration, like it basically kind of strung you along through uh, uh, being a salesperson, essentially, right? That's kind of like the journey you've kind of went through is like you started as a refrigeration tech and then you got into basically managing and selling account or selling and imagine, uh, <laughs> selling and managing accounts for like larger, larger clients, right? Yeah, you know, the guy, so I was a refrigeration mechanic. I built grocery stores. So I yep. worked in a like a 24-hour kind of business, right? So it was like nobody cared if it's your birthday or if it's your wife's birthday, or if it's a holiday. <laughs> like if it's broken, you know, it's old school. You stay till it's fixed. You know, I had some 24-hour long shifts where I started at 7 in the morning and I didn't get home till 7 in the morning the next day. And that was just part of the gig. I had an opportunity to kind of move over into HVAC and I thought, ah, this HVAC is way easier, right? Fixing air conditioning instead of grocery stores and that sort of stuff. Well, silly me, I went to work for a company that looked after telecommunications data centers. Like, <laughs> you know what else can't break down? <laughs> Telecom and data centers. Right? It's the exact same thing within the air conditioning world. It's like, yeah. that's probably why they recruited me. They're like, oh, these guys understand. They get what, what Sucker, working yeah. long, long hot days is all about. <laughs> and uh, funnily enough, I remember sitting with my boss and we're much like this, having a chat, shooting the shit, right? And his brother phones and he puts his brother on speakerphone who happens to work for uh, Bell Canada. And he says, they're going back and forth. And he says, hey, Jeremy. And I said, yeah, Darren. He says, how'd you like to come and uh, manage properties for me in Northern Alberta for 50 grand a year? I said, well, I ain't not doing fuck all for 50 grand a year. I said, but you make it 80 and I might think about it thought nothing of it while well, my phone rang that night he says are you serious i said well yeah maybe i don't know so five days later we met at the rose and crown for a steak and a beer and three weeks after that i was a property manager for 
SNC Lavalin at Bell Canada. I didn't even know how to email. I had no idea. I never emailed, worked a spreadsheet. I mean, I barely made it through high school, let alone had any idea how to, how to do anything. I, I used to laugh. I tell people, I said, I work 16 hours a day to do what an average human could do in eight because I didn't know how to do it. And I, so I just figured it out. Yeah. I'd go home at night and I'd figure out how to use a spreadsheet. And I'd figure out how to use email and I'd read. And it, it took me a while, but it was, it was a really cool job. Like I, uh, I worked my way from looking after that to managing all their data centers in Western Canada. And I traveled from Vancouver to Victoria to Winnipeg to Calgary. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but I was starting a family and, and I was tired of being gone all the time. I was always on a plane somewhere, always going somewhere late nights and, kind of the opportunity to move past that position went away. It wasn't going to work for me. And I got a call from a company where I started in my trade and they said, Hey, we need a service manager or a sales guy. Are you interested in either one of those? I said, service manager. Hell no. I, I barely know how to fix anything. I, mean, I made it through on charming good looks. Let's, uh... <laughs> I said, but sales. Now you're speaking a language, right? So they offered me a, a sales gig and, I thought, you know what? What the hell? I'll regret it if I don't try. And I still remember my first day going back to the office where I'd started my apprenticeship. And it had grown. It had grown into the bay beside it. So my desk was in the office beside the main office. I was the only one in there. So day one, there's this giant stack of papers on the desk. All these contracts need to be renewed. This all does all the stuff that needs to be quoted have fun, talk to you later. And, and the branch manager leaves and I'm like, are you like, you got to be kidding me right now. I've never sold anything in my life. I don't have a freaking clue. So back to 16 hour days again, trying to figure out something, someone who did my job had a clue what they were doing. Yeah, I did that for probably four years, just about with Ainsworth. And I got frustrated for various reasons. Most of them ridiculous. Um, mostly because of what I said in the beginning, right? I just sort of like to steer my own ship and make my own decisions. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to work for the big guys. I'm going to go Siemens. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to sell <laughs> building automation. Well, let me tell you, you know what I knew about building automation, Kyle? Absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> I was going to say probably not enough. <laughs> not very much, but I sure had them believing that I could figure it out, right? Because there's not much I can't do if I put my mind to it. But it was sort of funny, you know. I, I talk sometimes to people that I worked with there because I made some good relationships and I and I learned some really cool things. But I said the day I started there, I knew it wasn't for me. I was used to wearing a suit and dressing up back then, but I walked in there and it was just it was so uptight and so collared and so corporate day one i i knew i was like you don't belong here jeremy this is not but i stuck her out for six months um i gave it <laughs> I, I gave it the old college try yeah for i sure. learned some things that i knew nothing about that have um assisted me along the way awesomely right because like, i i didn't know about that and there's there's a lot of cool things in that industry that totally play into everything i've always done so that part was awesome Sure enough, I'm typing up my uh, resignation letter and my boss comes around the corner. There it is sitting on my screen. He says, well, I guess we have to have a chat. Hey, I said, yeah, I guess it's that time. I was going to print this and come see you tomorrow. But... <laughs> well, that is the sign of like uh, a big corporation where it's like in other trades areas is basically you send a text message or you just stop showing up where in the big corporate world, you have to write a letter to say, sorry, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I, when I left 
it was national refrigeration at the time to go work for BLJC. I quit and my boss, well, he was so mad at me. He says, you need to put it in writing. So I scribbled it on a napkin and I slapped it on his desk. And I said, <laughs> fuck you, I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and he was mad because I had a better job. And it was like, I, I just couldn't fathom how someone who I thought, you know, they, we were friends, right? Like we worked together forever. How could you be mad? Like I got a better gig. It was a permanent job. And, but he was. So I've written a few letters in my time. That was the only one on a napkin. The rest all came slightly more professionally. <laughs> yeah. Try not but, to bring uh, yeah, those left, right down. Oh, it's crazy. I left Siemens to go to a company that was just launching an app in Edmonton to do sales for their HVAC and refrigeration. And it was, uh, it was fun starting from the ground again. And you kind of learned the writing was on the wall that they were having some money problems. Things weren't getting paid. Stuff wasn't happening. And, at that point, I thought, you know, I've, uh, I've had some good jobs. It kind of took some time to think about it. And I went, I've had great jobs. I've had great bosses. I've made great money. And I've never been happy. So what can I do? So I, uh, I reached out to old local 488, the refrigeration union. And I said, I want to go back to work. So they charged me 500 bucks. They signed me back up and I got a job up in Fort McMurray camp life. Never worked industrial in my life. Hadn't been on the tools for 10 years. So I got a job and I loaded my truck up and Soul Mechanical was born. Nice. It was running out of, it was seven days on and seven days off. And I drive up there and everybody's half my age and a thousand times smarter than me. And the foreman says, do you even know how to use a meter? I said, are you kidding what, like that? what is a meter? <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm not brain dead, man. I, I haven't been, a, like, I, I said, I've been off the tools for 10 years, but uh, I said, I'll give it the old college try. Don't you worry. <laughs> but I stayed there. I stayed there about a year and it was fun. You know, uh, it, it was kind of eye-opening for me because it had been so long. So I, I really think it was meant to happen to, to kind of get humbled and go back and, and work in the trenches. Cause when I got there, I was nobody, right. I got all the shittiest jobs and the shittiest conditions and this, you know, this is only four or five years ago. So the oil boom's not on anymore. Right. So they treat people like garbage. It was, yep. it was some of the worst working conditions I'd ever been subjected to. And I don't mean by like safety or anything like that, but just the way, just the culture and the way that they treated people yeah. and people couldn't figure out. Cause I, I got along pretty well. But I mean, I was doing something else. You know, my mind was on soul mechanical. Yep. I was, I had a business I was, I was building. I, I was there. It was a means to an end. I had no money to start soul mechanical. So I had to keep working. I had to yep. keep feeding. So I would work my seven days on and I would get home Saturday morning. My shift ended Friday night at seven at night. And I'd get home at Saturday at two in the morning and I'd sleep till eight. And then I'd go to the shop and soul mechanical shop that I was renting a little room from a friend of mine who owned a crew electrical. <laughs> and I'd work Saturday and then I'd take Sunday off and then I'd work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'd drive back to Fort McMurray and I ran that schedule for about a year. And it was exhausting, right? And uh, I landed a couple of big projects. So I, I brought another guy on, Troy, who's still with me today. And he was kind of the, uh, he was here while I was gone, right? So he was doing this Weatherford project where we were, you know, there was just a ton of work and he was kind of manning it while I was away. And I came home once and my wife says, I don't care what you do. She says, you want to work in Fort McMurray seven on seven off, go for it. You want to start a business, go for it, but you can't do both. 
<laughs> you know, I missed my kids, all their sports that year. And, and I normally coach or if I don't coach, I assist. Right. And I really, that year was completely disconnected. Yeah. I uh, didn't do anything. So she just kind of said, make a decision. And right at that moment, I had landed a project doing like five makeup airs for 50 grand. And I said, you know what, if I'm ever going to do it, this is it. Yeah. So I pulled the pin. I went up for one more shift. I told them, thank you very much. And loaded my tools and thanked them for the time that I had there. And before McMurray was dead and soul mechanical was born full time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the, the, the two things that I pull out of that uh, about you and your story. One thing is definitely you don't have any fear uh, of, of trying something new or, or, you know, just getting back into the swing of things. Um, it doesn't seem like that affects you or that's even a major consideration. And then uh, something I identify with is usually your partner in crime usually has an input into the business in some way, shape or form, whether it's like assessing <laughs> your personal life and how it's going and making the recommendation of yeah like you said like don't care what you do but you got to make a change where like you're going to a either miss out on on a lot of things in your family or personal life or you're just going to burn yourself out and well that's that's part of the first the first thing like or you can make the change and grow something and then be around for your family right yeah you gotta you gotta make a decision at some point you know, it's funny you, you talk about your better. Like my wife really doesn't have anything to do with soul mechanical. No. She's not, she's not involved. She's not, uh, but in the beginning, I remember the first, you know, four months, paper work orders, paper invoices. I, I'm trying to do so many things. Right. And from the very beginning, I, I, I worked very hard at portraying a larger company and a, you know, that was, that was the game I, I grew up playing. So I remember sitting with her at the kitchen table with this piles of invoices and we're trying to figure out how to use QuickBooks. Neither <laughs> one of them. You, you want to get a divorce really quick? Try to learn QuickBooks with your wife. Who's now This is probably your... like the actual like software QuickBooks, right? Like this wasn't oh, yeah. even the online version. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're trying to like, you're, you're trying to go through all this stuff and like she's auditing all this money you spend. <laughs> like this, she's asking all these questions and it's like, we're not going to make it. Like this is, our, yeah. our marriage cannot survive. This. So, uh, I, you got to move this I, off the I, kitchen I, table. I, I quickly found a bookkeeper, somebody to, to assist me with my, uh, with my, my trials and errors. Right? Yeah. If, if there's one thing I've, I've learned in, the, in a short period of time, it's make sure that if there's stuff you don't like doing or you don't know how to do it as soon as you can, find somebody else to do it yeah because it'll suck the life out of you <laughs> and sometimes you don't see that that it's sucking the oh. life out of you you just think life must continue right <laughs> that's crazy yeah it's oh yeah crazy. for sure i mean uh, my wife uh she was involved she's was involved or is involved like she's she's a partner in the company and she's uh, she hasn't been involved for the last couple of years, really, to to like the degree before where she she actually like came to the job sites and 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 worked with me or assisted me or she was handling like the bookkeeping for for a period there. And like you said, like at at some point you just gotta pivot. You gotta make that change where you take it out of their hands and and you you let somebody a professional handle it, so you have free, more free time to to do the things that need to be done to grow a business. 
and some people can do it right like I, you know i'm uh, i'm blessed that i have a few friends that you know they work with their spouses and it's fantastic it just was never in the cards for us we're we're two very different people when it comes to that and we have a different way of doing things so i i applaud people that find their way to <clears throat> work together all day and then go home together at night because it wasn't yeah. going to work for us. And my wife has her own career that she loves, right? Yeah. Which has probably got a, a big part of it, right? When you yeah. have somebody who, if they have something they love doing, they don't want to be involved in what you're doing. It doesn't make any sense to them. She, yeah, you she would be bored stiff listening to us talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be, you, it's, you definitely have to have considerations for like the other people in your life, for sure. Like that's, yeah. that's uh that's a non-negotiable, uh, just, just as the same as they're making considerations for like what you're attempting or what you're building or what you're working on. So that's, it's definitely, definitely critical. Like you can't be stubborn and not, not consider that. Um, well, and think, think about what they're giving up. I, I mean, for me, you're talking about somebody who went from like in, in my glory days of sales, I did whatever I wanted. Yep. came to work when I wanted, I golfed three days a week, I ate out for lunch, like, I had a pretty cushy lifestyle, come and go as I please, it, you know, it really, <laughs> uh, I was blessed enough that I was good at it, so that I, you know, I, I did well, and I wasn't super micromanaged, so I, I had a lot of freedoms, I, I tell people, if I worked half as hard as I do now, when I was a salesperson, you know, for two or three different companies, I can't imagine the money I could have made. Yeah. But I just, like, it just wasn't there, right? It just yeah. wasn't the same. Well, it's almost like you were, like, it could have made you soft in, in, in a sense, right? Like, to a certain degree. Like, I had that mentality, like, uh, or not mentality. I had that feeling when I, I went to do my third year of apprenticeship in school. I, I'd moved to the city and I was doing commercial. And I went from basically, like, being, like, every day essentially make it, being a woodworker or wood shaper to go into a commercial site where it's like um definitely definitely at least twice a day you're pushing a broom or you're kind of like standing around like the job site not doing anything really or you're you're just putting in backing uh and so like the it definitely worries you when you get into a position where, and i was being paid far more than i was doing residential work uh, uh at the same sense so it's definitely something i would consider if anyone considering the trades is you gotta money is great but being on the commercial site it will or being on a job site where you're not doing nearly as much as say on a residential site it it will affect your future uh, career i guess and your mentality like 100 percent and i think all trades are like that right like yep. I look back to mine and, and I never, I'll never forget going to trade school. And I mean, I was never, uh, I was never the top guy, right? I was never the super smartest technician. That's that, that wasn't who I was, but I remember going to trade school with guys that, you know, first and second year had never done anything but change filters. Like, <laughs> my mind was blown. What, what do you mean? Like I yeah. built Hawkins, braced pipe, ran drain lines, changed compressors. Like we just, we did so many things. So it's like you said, like if you're getting into the trade, don't just think about the money. Yeah. I, I saw that a ton in Fort McMurray in my shorter period there. They had a really big push for apprentices. They wanted apprentices, right? And it's the worst place on earth to do an apprenticeship because everything is half the speed that anybody else works. Nothing is ever right. It's super slow. It's 
I, I'm very thankful that I had never gone industrial till I was so far into my career that I, I could see it for what it was. I mean, there's a place for it for sure. But if, yep. you, if you're young and you're getting into this business, man, work, work for somebody small, learn something new, figure it out, like see all the different aspects, try all the different things. And There'll actually be a relationship because you're not only going to be growing yourself, but you'll be growing somebody else's business where like they'll be getting better. They'll get you the better tools. They'll get you the, the better projects that you're more involved in in you know the detail the designing the execution like that's you'll something learn. you have to consider right you'll learn so much more right yeah i uh we've got a young second year sheet metal apprentice that works for me and generally works with the sheet metal guy right and this morning i said no no i said adam i said switch that up i said he's going with lyle today i said roger doesn't need any help you leave him on his own i said you send mike over with with Lyle, says, well, well, why? Because he needs to do something else for a couple of days. I said, get him <laughs> on the old plumbing project. This poor kid, his jaw just drops. And he's pretty new with us. He's only been with us about a month or so. Yeah. So, and he's always been with the same guy who he knew. And I said, no, he needs to, he needs to learn. I think it's even important, if, especially if you work for a company like mine, where, where we do sheet metal, plumbing, HVAC, refrigeration, like mix it up a bit, man. Like I said, yeah. to him, I, you know, he was smiling when he left, but I said, have some fun, try something different. Don't, don't think that you're pigeonholed doing the one thing. Like there's people get this idea in their head that, Oh, I'm a, I'm an electrician. I'm a sheet metal worker. That's all I do. It's the worst thing you can do. It's don't, don't, don't ever look at an opportunity and not think "Boy, I can learn something from this. It was probably my favorite part about being a refrigeration mechanic. You know what a refrigeration mechanic is? He's a jack of all trades. Yeah. Cause you have no choice. I did a little bit of everything. And that was, I'm so thankful for that. And, I don't know. I hope, I hope the younger generation picks it up and wants to do it too. It's, it's definitely, unfortunately to me, it's something you don't look at until you're, you're gone and past that point, essentially. Like you're thankful for all the experiences that you have. You don't realize it when you're doing it, but then you're like, you know what? I really, I was really glad that I was doing, you know, doing that house foundation. I was really glad I was installing that furnace in that, uh, or that high velocity furnace, or, you know, I got an opportunity to, to do some plumbing, some soldering and people don't realize there's a difference between soldering and brazing, right? Like the plumber does the soldering, the HVAC tech does the brazing. Like there, oh, there's I'm gonna a blow difference. Your right? mind. I'm going to blow your mind tomorrow in my, in my presentation. <laughs> I'm talking about that. I got a video on that guy. Nice. That's going like to be reading my mind. You, you know what though? Like, is that the apprentices fault or is that, is that us as business owners like and leaders? Is that our fault? Cause I've got a couple of guys that, you know, I, I try to regularly talk to them. So I've got a third year plumber come on and I always, I, I like to just talk to them, you know, how do you like it? How's things? He says, Jeremy, I love working with you. I said, what do you love working with me? I'm kind of a jerk. I get tossed <laughs> around all the time. And he says, you know what? I do something new every day and I love it. And I said, you know, I love that you appreciate that, that you understand that some days you're digging a ditch and some days you're threading gas pipe. Yeah. And some days you're putting a furnace in, but I'll tell you, I, uh, I don't, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I think I have a lot to do with that because when I send the plumber to go help with a furnace, I don't expect him to know how to put it in. And I'm clear about that, right? I'm yeah. sending you like, don't feel like you have to be the expert. I get you've never done this before and that's okay. 
And if you get stuck, pick up the phone, give us a call, call this guy, we'll work together. And, and I know when I worked places, a lot of times you, you get frustrated when you got sent to do other things because you were just hung out to dry. And then somebody would, you know, you, you're the same age as me. You remember trades when you just got yelled at all day, right? Yeah. You started working from eight o'clock till four o'clock. You got yelled at and screamed at. And it's like, well, that was a good day <laughs> when it was eight till four and you only got screamed at from eight. Yeah. Till four, right? <laughs> I, I, I remember doing my first drain, like uh, as a refrigeration mechanic in grocery stores, one day the drain, it's like, Oh, can you run these drains for this walk-in cooler? I'd never saw it in my life. I've run a drain in the plumbers do like, I have no idea. Right. And then bitching and complaining that I did it all wrong. It's like, well, <laughs> how did you expect me to know how to do this? Like I've never done it. And then you're mad at me when I do it wrong. I don't know. And maybe that, maybe that helped shape me in the way that I am. Right. Where it's like guys, sometimes they'll come in with their heads hung down and you can see that they're just defeated. I'm like, what's wrong? Oh, you know, this, I said, you know what, if we did everything right the first time, boy, we'd be billionaires, man. We're, we, we, we give it our best. Yeah. And we make sure that we try. And if we do it wrong, we own that, we fix it and we carry on. Yeah. The, to touch on like the being screamed at, there's a, there's a video of a construction company out in Minnesota. Like this is part of their social media, like uh, outreach creation. And uh, one of the lines that always stuck out to me, cause I'm, I'm guilty of this too. It's, <laughs> I would get yelled at for not understanding these vague instructions that we receive, or I would get yelled at for following those vague instructions that I received. Right? <laughs> and, and not to say like, not to discourage people from joining the trades. Like I think at the end of the day, you're not, you're never thought of as an enemy or, or a screw up. It's just like, it's just, and that mentality I think is kind of like, it's dis slowly disappearing. And I don't think it's a bad thing either. Like we're definitely as a, as a, uh, industry we're getting better at communicating i guess how to how to do things how to understand other people at, at, at a certain in a certain sense we'll, we'll always have that that uh that edge and that coarseness i guess because it's i hope so i hope right? so i yeah. hope that never dies right? <laughs> i don't think i don't think we'll get soft if we do get soft it's probably because everything's automated <laughs> right <laughs> it, but part of the i, I think i, I think we've gone too far the other way. And I, I think we do need some of that again, though, right? Like, yep. man, uh, these young kids and apprentices, they are soft. It's, <laughs> I don't know. Just got on, like, this isn't a soft business. You got to have some thick skin sometimes. And oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's just, I think it's like that for every generation. I'm sure the guy. It probably were, is. It probably yeah. totally is. Yep. Yeah. The guys that educated us, they said, these this generation coming they're they're no good they're they're too yeah. soft they'll never they'll never make it but yet here we are <laughs> yeah, here we are yeah it's it, it's funny how far trades have come right like i even catch myself doing it sometimes you know telling my kids to you know all we ever talk about is university and college and this and that and i'll tell you that was never in the cards for me from the day i hit school till the day i graduated high school and trades was always looked down on and I, I think back to my life man and I can't imagine where I would be without my ticket you know and without mm -hmm. that opportunity and it, it's afforded me a lot of great things in life and a lot of opportunities that I would have never had you know had had I gone the college and university route or even tried to I mean I, I never would have gone very far it was not something that I was destined to do and 
you know, as groups, like we got to find ways to get out to people and tell them like, this is, this can be a good life. Yep. Oh, for sure. You know, it's, it's very it, rewarding. It, like, yeah, it's cool to drive around and be like, Hey, I built that. I did yeah. that. I worked yeah. on that. <laughs> Every trades dad ever. It's like, I worked on that yes. building. I did that. Right. <laughs> I know I was a bricklayer. Trust me. Point them all out, man. Hey, I built that. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> my kids barely understand the concept of construction but yet i'm still telling them like i worked on that i worked on that bridge i yeah. worked did did this <laughs> but but as an industry you know we've got to we, we have to make it more attractive and we have to let people know that it's it, it's a great job it's a great life it can it can and that's you know kind of comes back to me with when i said earlier you know what I'm trying to build a business where people want to grow, right? I don't want to just hire tradespeople. I want people that want something different, you know. Maybe you're a plumber today, but maybe you really want to be a PM. And I hope that I'll have that role for them because it was Almost exciting like, for, exciting for me to make those yeah. changes through my career. Would you would you throw like the classification out as like, uh, and, and this might be too specific, and this may be more related to carpentry, but more of like a craftsperson, like the you, you know the uh, not necessarily mastering something, but always working to get closer to being per perfection or mastering it. And, and to me, that doesn't necessarily mean on the tools. Like business is a craft. You know, you have to sure. you have to keep working to develop that skill essentially of running a business well you know what i you know what i think and i think that's what trades offer that a lot of people don't recognize is that you never stop learning and i mean especially like in my industry it's changing all the time yep. you think about the equipment i worked on 20 years ago and what's out there today and i mean there's still guys that like my journeyman that i apprenticed under is building a store two blocks from my office now, he's still working, right? He's And he loves it. He loves yeah. the tools. He loves running projects. But I can't imagine how much this industry's changed since he started. Like you never stop learning. There's always yeah. something. There's always, you can always find more and do more and learn more. And I just, a lot of that, a lot of that lately, I, I find is, is really a struggle. Like when I went, when I went through trade school, you know, maybe the yeah probably the same as you prior to the internet i had to have books so i mean for me if i if i wanted to fix a specific ice machine i had to take a course outside of my regular business hours to learn how to fix that ice machine and to get their manuals because they all had special manuals well if you wanted manitowoc manuals you had to go to rsl and you had to do the ice machine course one night and nobody's paying you to do that like that's on your time yeah. And my van was stuffed full of all these books and shelves. <laughs> it was a, a manual for every different kind of thing. And they don't do it anymore. And I, I you know, I, I talked to the wholesalers because I know all the old guys, right? And yeah. I don't know the young guys anymore. I know all the old ones. And they all say this. Nobody shows up. It used to be young guys. <laughs> now we're all the old Yeah, but, guys, but right? they say nobody, nobody <laughs> wants to do it. Yeah. They don't want to put that time in anymore. Like if they're not being paid, I'm not doing that, right? Yeah, that is true. And that's yeah. something that I, I really push at my company, man. Like if something comes up, I all but say like you're expected to go. If you want to work for me, I would suggest that you make your time available to be <laughs> at that course if they come. And I is that right? I don't know. I don't really care. Um, I, I, it's so important to just grow and learn. And, you know, the Internet's made it 
almost too easy on a lot of this stuff to yeah. it's definitely a, like a litmus, litmus test on them i say on that person like if they want to grow with you the business they're going to say yeah i'll i'll take that whether it's a saturday or evening or whatever module course like i'll make the time to, to get it done right yeah i mean i understand you don't want to take your jlg course for free on a saturday and i would never expect that but if there happens to be a course to learn how to fix, a, you know, an IBC condensing dual firing boiler. Yeah, that's all. Like, come on, man, get, get better. Learn these things. Make yourself better at what you do. Yeah. That's funny how you bring up like the Internet. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have the Internet we, uh, in our. I don't even know if we still have if there's any Internet courses at for the carpentry trade. But I was talking with someone um the internet didn't really go mainstream for me till probably like 2009, 10, like, like, like it's like, Oh, the internet has only been a part of my life for like a third of my life, <laughs> but now it's so critical. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't want anybody to go back to the way it was, but in some breaths, I think it just made you, it made you better. Right. Yeah. I, I remember trying to get a hold of guys through their pagers because I knew that they took a course and I needed the book. I like, I can't fix this thing. If I don't have a book, like I don't have a clue. It's not, I don't know what that does. I need a book that tells me, okay, this does this. Oh, okay. Perfect. Right. Now, now I, 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 I'm always shocked when somebody phones me and asks me a dumb question. And my first answer is, did you try to Google that? Cause like Google has like everything. <laughs> Well, no. Well, you might want to try, try that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't believe everything you hear on the internet or read or. <laughs> no, first. but like yeah. most manufacturers have. We ran into some problems the other day with um, fire dampers and the way they're supposed to be installed, and I had a heated discussion with somebody about it. You can literally type in the model number on Google and it brings up the cut sheet, the installation manual. Yep. And this is what I was trying to say. Like it took me four seconds to get every piece of information I need about this. What's the excuse? <laughs> how does this get put in wrong? Like, I, I, I don't even know how to put it in, but I can follow this. I can pull this up and go, oh, okay, that does that and that does that and this does this, perfect, carry on. You gotta you gotta post that flow chart sheet in everybody's van and start, okay, I have a question. Did I Google it on the one side? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go to the next section saying, did it give you the answer? And that's like, yes or no. <laughs> you just gotta keep going until, until they, uh, and put it's you like, either you're not on that list or you're at the very end, right? <laughs> it's so sad, but so true, right? I, I mean, I, I have very limited carpentry experience. I, I was one of my uh, one of my biggest regrets in life when when I was a kid one summer, I think I was 16. I went to a temp agency and I got a job and I got sent to this work with this guy, Tibor Varab, and I'll never forget old Tibor Varab. He knew he knew how to do two things: smoke cigarettes and build anything out of wood. And he knew two words and it was colorful metaphor all the time, Kyle. It was, it was hilarious. But as a young kid, this guy would build murals out of hardwood. We wow. put hardwood in. Uh, he was, he was an absolute phenomenal tradesman. Phenomenal. And, and at that time in my life, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize how lucky I was that I could have learned from this guy. 
And he used to just frustrate me because he'd always want you to, he, he wouldn't want you to take lunch. So you'd eat your sandwich while you're cutting baseboards for him. I'd have to like eat my sandwich and cut baseboards. And <laughs> I'd have to, uh, you know, the only time he ever got a break is if, if he couldn't smoke because he'd light one cigarette with the next. We were working in Glenora in this fancy apartment. He wouldn't take a job if he couldn't smoke in your house. Like that was like, that, that was just the thing. He's like, I'm not fucking, there's no way. So the one time he does, he's so pissed off. And it took us forever because like every 10 minutes we had to go outside and have smoke. And then I smoked back then. So if I didn't want one, he'd just give me one of his, right? If I didn't pull my own out, he'd be shoving his in my mouth. So I started smoking two packs of cigarettes a day too. But this guy, like he was, he was so good at what he did. He had storage units. There was three of them throughout the city that had all his tools put in them. And you'd pull up to this storage unit and he would know exactly which bucket. He had Tupperware totes and buckets, toolbox, and he grabbed them and put them in his truck. I was never allowed to put his tools away because they were put away in such a manner that he knew where everything was and exactly how it came out. And it was like, it was OCD to the next level. And then he gave me, when we were doing baseboards, he had this little chain that had all the different angles on it that he would normally use to make cuts. And he's like, okay, I want you to start figuring this out. He gives me this thing. He's like, just take it and you'll be able to figure out what angle you need, right? Yeah, I, I worked for him for probably a good six months, like evenings and weekends as a kid through high school. So I worked for him for the summer. And then I would go in the evening. Anytime I wanted, I could go there and work for two hours after school or whatever. And we lost touch and I look back and I think, man, had I just paid like 25% attention to what this guy was doing, the things I could have learned. Yeah. Okay. Shot me with a nail gun once though. So that was, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm put, we're putting backing up. You were talking about backing earlier. So I'm holding the plywood backing for something and he puts his nail gun up and he fires one right through my thumb. <laughs> and by the time I finished screaming, he had my hand, the pliers were on, nail was out, tape was around it. And he told me to stop my whining. Colorful metaphor. <laughs> good old good old t good old t-bore and <laughs> just whimpering holding your thumb You're like, oh my goodness <laughs> I was, like okay I, I didn't even have time to think about how much it hurt or how ridiculous it was he was holding my his pliers on wow nail was out <laughs> tape was on it get back to work get, get okay to fine work. fine let's go yeah i'm sure it was throbbing pretty good probably oh, by the man, end of the day like right? right through my thumb like literally one end like i'm looking at it and i'm like he just shot me with a nail gun like right through my thumb <laughs> but can you imagine now like the outrage and the, like it was it was crazy it was, it was a different time uh, yeah but it was it was so cool like he was and, and like you said the looking at the time I didn't appreciate it but I look back now and I go man like I got to work with a guy who is probably better than any tradesman I've ever met yep. honestly the stuff he could build was and no plans no we would make these crazy star shapes in people's entrances and suns and a whole lot of hardwood colored hardwood he'd just do it he'd be like cut this and then he put yep. it together and like I don't know yeah he was a he, he used to uh not that we wouldn't need to talk about Tibor anymore, but uh, he never <laughs> ate. I never seen him eat anything. And the one day he picked me up and it was before he went to get his coffee. And I'd never been with him before he got his coffee. So he would get an extra large, 16 sugars and three creams, cold <laughs> from the Tim Hortons, cold, extra large, cold. And then they would give him another one that they would fill into his thermos, cold, that was probably the same thing. And that's what he had every day. No food. Jeez. 
never seen him eat a thing, never seen him eat a thing. And there was days we would work on the weekends from like six in the morning to late at night, no breaks, just smoke, smoke and piss. That's all you were allowed to eat your sandwich while you cut. And then, and he used to say, you eat while you cut, then I keep paying you. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> you all right. Keep uh, yeah, I keep paying you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was. Oh, he was a funny guy, man. It was. It was crazy. The sugar makes sense because that's that's what fuels your brain, so you don't make mistakes, right? You get those hunger. Kyle, sixteen <laughs> sugars though. Like it was, it was pure insanity, and that's that's all he had. And I remember feeling guilty once because he always looked. He always had coveralls on, like. And one day he took his coveralls and I, and I looked over and I swear to God, he was white Bruce Lee, man. This guy was shredded and he must've been 70 when I worked with him oh, and man. shredded just because he lived on coffee and sugar and cigarettes. <laughs> uh, it all, that makes perfect sense to me. Like uh, the, the body has no time to store any fat because it's just burning, burning whatever little fuel he's putting into it. So that yeah. makes exact like perfect yeah. sense to me yeah he was a cool he was a cool guy and that was kind of my first introduction to trades outside of like my dad was a bricklayer so i mean i always when i was a kid if you wanted to spend time with dad you went to work that's he worked seven days a week you want to do something you go to work that's the way it was right you grew that that's how i grew up anyways yeah. it was, you want to spend time well i guess you're going to go on the job site and you'll haul bricks or mix mud or you'll find something to do was he yeah uh, was he self-employed no, no, no. He worked for some of the big outfits here, K Hans and Masonry. Yeah. Different I was going to be my guess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it like a K, K Hansen guy. <laughs> yeah. Old Conrad. Conrad. Yeah. I, I met Conrad many a time in my life. And I uh, I was 15 years old. So before I worked for Tibor, 15. Geez, I might have even been younger than that. 14. 15 or 14, I was in Grand Prairie for the summer with him. We were staying in a trailer. And it was the first time I'd ever actually gone to work so i was working for k hansen right yeah day one 7 a.m starting so we're up at six i never been up at six o'clock in my life <laughs> we go to work and i got brand new shiny work boots that you know they don't fit we're the shit nobody wears gloves right because gloves are for wussies you don't wear gloves you <laughs> so i spent the day pouring mud down every six i'll never forget it's every 16th hole you gotta fill it with concrete right and my yeah. dad says he says put some gloves on man i said i don't need gloves i'm <laughs> dipping that bucket right into the concrete right <laughs> slopping it all over my arms down my hands filling these holes <clears throat> we get back to the trailer that night and i look at my hands and they are bright red like a tomato and my dad is laughing he's like i told you to put gloves on moron <laughs> i'm like but you don't wear gloves he's like yeah and i don't stick my hands in it either he's like, I, I hold the bucket here here and don't get my head <laughs> before he, they he had cor uh, caustic uh, that's what it was, on it, it was right? chemical burn yeah it was totally 100 percent it was chemical burn and like blisters because i never worked a day in my life <laughs> i was ridden like a donkey <laughs> Well, so the stuff he, just shows he, up he in the box goes, too. Like, like I've I've worked with Kay Hansen on project before. Like, the, like the the mortar and everything, it just shows up in a big square box every day, right? For them to 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 work with, right? So I get it, right? It's like fifteen years old. You have no idea. <laughs> no, no, and like nobody's gonna. And I argued something like he told me, right? That that's kind of the way our relationship was. You know, he said, "Put on gloves." I said, "No, okay, well, that's idiot." You know, I kind of find myself doing the same thing now with my kids sometimes. It's like, oh, you're not smart enough to listen to me. I guess you can figure it out. But he, uh, so seven o'clock at night, we worked 12 hour shifts. 
I get back to the trailer and, and I and I just remember my dad talking to me the next day. He says, you literally came home and we stood in the trailer and he was heading out to go for dinner and I was asleep. I'd fallen down on the couch and I was out cold. <laughs> I've never worked so hard in my oh, life. Man. I never ate supper. I didn't do anything. I slept right through till morning. <laughs> yeah. so, so obviously it didn't ruin you because you, you stuck with it. Maybe that's one of the, the deciding factors because I remember when I first got to the trades too, like the first two weeks, well, first two months were basically like like uh i would equate it probably to like the death race because we were working probably 15 hour days like we were i was showing up to meet meet them at six o'clock to get to the job site at seven we would work 12 14 hours because we were doing industrial work like this is like my first foray into construction i said like there the thought across my mind's like i signed up to be a carpenter like when am i working with wood like all i was seeing was concrete <laughs> steel rebar like dirt i was like when when do we get to do the fun stuff right <laughs> so <laughs> then maybe that's it like you got to weed those guys out initially first and then if they make it through let's call it hell month then probably you're you're suited to be a tradesperson <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I did it for years, right? Like I spent lots of summers working for working for him wherever he worked, and yep. the occasional. I always remember I used to get the call, even you know, even actually when I started my apprenticeship in refrigeration, sometimes he'd call on a weekend. Like, Labor didn't show up today. You want to make some money? Yeah, what the hell? Where are you working? <laughs> I'd show up and mix mud and haul shit around. But like I just I just remember like the deplorable safety conditions. So the one day I show up to this job and there's scaffolding on the corner of the building, right? So on one, one on each side, we're four rows up and Buddy's got the JLG with the box of mud you're talking about. He's gone around. He's kind of driving like a little bit. Of, I don't know what's going on. And I'm standing on the opposite scaffolding from my dad. My dad says, get over here. He's like, come over here. I said, no, but he's going to put the, he's like, get over here. <laughs> and I run over this other scaffolding. And sure enough, the guy driving the JLG, rams the scaffolding knocks it all it's like shaking all over the place drops the box of mud down backs away i said what the hell's going on he says oh andy won't work unless we let him drink all day while he works so he gets a little sketchy in the afternoon i'm like are you kidding me right now so the guy yeah he'd drink it he'd drink it two for on a saturday or he wasn't he wasn't working he's like i don't work saturdays unless i can get drunk say so ram the scaffolding but i mean we're, this isn't 40 years ago this is <laughs> but that's oh boy. you know that's uh so for the kids at home that doesn't happen anymore uh, this, this shouldn't that be. has that has changed big time podcast shouldn't be for kids the construction safety has improved drastically oh, since those totally. days <laughs> but isn't that crazy like to think about yeah that, that you'd like, like it's crazy to one back it happens on a construction that, site right and like, two your son is working on that construction site, right? <laughs> we, we, won't go, we, won't go into, we won't go into any more depth on some of those stories. But, uh, that's for a different podcast. <laughs> that's, that's the way that it was. It yeah. is. It's true. Like, uh, it's almost like it's definitely been somewhat detrimental to the trade industry, but, uh, and we're always slow to change. But like, to me, I feel from what I'm hearing I don't know. That's not necessarily true. I would say we're making leaps and bounds, but we're also like, we're shrinking as a, as a industry too. Like, like you said, like it's hard to find people interested in, in doing the work. Yeah. Or I think it's hard to find people that have any sort of like passion, right? Like I, 
when I got into refrigeration, like the average apprentice age was like 30 or 40. It was, they were on their second ticket, right? It wasn't, most of these people had done something else. And then they got into this because it, it was hard. It was crappy. It paid awesome. I mean, compared to other trades, the money was fantastic. But the thing that people don't always realize in trades is money is a trade-off typically for not great work conditions. <laughs> they pay you more money because the job kind of sucks. <laughs> you work when it's plus 30 and you work when it's minus 30 and nobody cares, right? <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. For me, it was it, it, it wasn't it was never just a job, right? And I find a lot of people they just want a job. It's like they don't they don't want any commitment. They don't and and I sure hope that you know maybe a downturn in the economy will help that. Because I find a lot of people have just never when, when I started in the trades, it was feast and famine. So you, you either worked 60 hours a week or 20 hours a week. So you learned, right? Like I yeah. banked time. I, I always had a hundred hours in the bank. So then anytime I had a 20, they put 20 onto it to make 40. I only ever took the 40, right? That's like a foreign language to people now. They're yeah. like, what? Like, I, I'm not guaranteed 40 every week. No, no, that's, that's the way it goes in the trades, right? Well, and it hasn't for a long time though. Like yeah. there was a good 10 year bubble there where that wasn't a thing. It was no. just like, so I, I, you know, if one good thing comes out of some of this, maybe it's just that reality is, you know, it's not quite as cushy as you think. And you got to give and take a little bit and, and, you know, be a little bit of passionate about what you do, you know, yeah. like you have to go home and get excited about it every night for crap's sakes, but take some pride, <laughs> you know, I'm laughing because you you answered like my 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 question as to what the advice would be someone looking to get into the trades and then potentially owning a business like you need the pride factor right? Yeah, and I mean like it doesn't have to be. We're not Picassos, all of us, right? Like your trade's different than mine, right? When you're a carpenter, you it's got to it it has to look really good every time, and I kind of instill into my guys it's like. Would you leave it like that in your own home? Because if the answer is no, then do it again. And we do certain projects where things have to be, you know, super fancy. But I, I try to tell guys, you know, have pride in what you do. Don't ever leave thinking, oh, well, you know, I, I've told guys if the answer is, uh, yeah, it's probably not good enough. <laughs> the, that's a double-edged sword, Jeremy, because I think both of our wives would tell, tell a different story about us. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that it's it's crappy work. It's just it, it takes way longer for us to complete a project, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's you gotta just take some pride, right? Yeah. Be excited about what you do, and you know, uh, instill that in the people you work with, and yeah, you know, oh for sure. I mean, you've heard my tagline: "It's never compromise." And sometimes people get confused with that. They're like, "Well, you don't compromise with people." I said, "No, I compromise all the time." But we're, we're growing into never compromising on some things. And I'll tell you, I, I learned it all the time. It's like, why did I accept that? You know, why, why did I take half a project and now I got to deal with somebody else's shit on the other half? It's like, I'm not compromising. I don't compromise on safety. I don't yeah. compromise on doing it right. Uh, Lyle came into my office today and uh, we had a warranty call from a job we did with a really shitty customer. Uh, we quit working for them as general contractor. It just wasn't a good fit, right? We finished yeah. this project, but it's within the warranty period. Yeah. He says, oh, well, you know, the manufacturer's instructions say that. And I said, Lyle, that is not how we roll. 
Um, I don't care. I said, if it's in the warranty period, I said, go fix it. He's like, yeah, but they didn't. I said, Lyle, would we do that to anybody else? Nope. And I said, no, it's because we don't compromise. Yeah. I, I don't like them either. I don't care. Yeah. It's in a year. I, I don't change. I don't change the way that I do something. I could get them on a technicality. I could say, oh, there's actually no warranty because you didn't do this, this, and this, but like, I wouldn't do that to anybody else. So no, just go fix it. Yeah. And he sort of chuckled and off he went and he fixed it. And you know, I, you feel better at the end of the day, just doing it. It's like, <laughs> I'm better I, than, than that customer, I guess. Right. <laughs> I have to be, I have to be right. I have to, I have to have my, my, my values and morals are more important than money. And I have to realize that when I tell somebody that that's the warranty or that's the, like, it just is. And sometimes it doesn't work out for me and that's okay. Learn from your mistake. This is, this is, it wasn't a big deal. Right. But I understood where he was coming from. He was frustrated. They were frustrated to work with. There was lots of problems. There was, we just weren't a good fit. Right. And we've never had another call from them again. Like it's, we did one project for them. It was fine at the end, but it's like, and then they call and they want more. And say, yeah, well, go do the yeah. warranty. Then. Tap doesn't work. We got to fix it. I don't know. It's with, I said, is it within a year? Well, yeah, well, you well, know the answer. Well, <laughs> Why would you even think about it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's what it is. Go fix it. Yeah. We'll see you soon type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know. For me as a business owner, that's been super important to me. It's just, I lost my way a few times, you know, early on where um, I, I did some things that I, I, I probably shouldn't have that I, you know, and it's scary when you start because you, you're scrounging, right? You're taking anything you can. And, you know, we took some stuff on that we shouldn't have. And I, and I don't like nothing grossly negligent or anything like no. that. Just did some stuff that I look back now and I go, there's no way. It's I'm normal. That's that. that's a normal, normal thing. Like it's uh, as a business owner, like uh, I'll definitely say, you know, there's, there's those handful of things that you're, you're like, you know, you could have done it better or, 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 you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, you made that, you made that decision that you're going to have to live with and, and uh, you're going to learn from it. You're not going to do it again. Right. Yeah. I took a job, you know, you, you take a job that maybe, Maybe you didn't know how to do perfect and you did the best you could and you do it way better now, but it is yeah. what it is, right? You, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. And yeah. it's funny as you, uh, I'm reading a book called Traction right now, which is all about like an, an operating system and, you know, kind of finding your niches. And I just think back to when I started and I wanted to do everything, right? And, I, and I'm still bad for that, to be completely <laughs> honest. I'm, yeah. I'm still kind of the guy that'll do everything, but I, but I am working on not doing I'm working on finding the stuff that we're really good at. So, you know, if I had any advice to somebody getting, think about the stuff that you're really good at and focus your energies there. Yeah. You know, yes, you're going to have to do some stuff that you don't want to along the way to, to make ends meet, especially in the beginning. But, yeah. you know, I, I wish I would have thought about it a little bit more early on, you know, where, where should I, where am I really wanting to go and what are we good at? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long I, road. I agree. I agree. Um, so I, we're, we're pretty much uh, close to, to the, the podcast time limit. So a couple closing things I wanted to speak to speak about. Um, is there any, any cool projects that you have going on that you want to talk about? Got anything, anything uh, I mean, that you, you want to brag about that? <laughs> it can even be past projects or upcoming projects. What, what do you got yeah, going I mean, on? We, we, you know, we're kind of finishing up a whole lot of stuff right now. We got a contract with the government where 
we're on a standing offer and we just finished doing um, six furnace and high efficiency hot water tanks with storage tanks at the women's prison, got them in, got them out, got it done on time, on budget. That was a great little project. Yeah. I'm finishing up two houses this week where we're putting in uh, combi boiler systems. So these people had old antiquated uh, in-floor heating systems that were fed through their hot water tanks. Yeah. Their hot water tank fed their in-floor and then went right back into their hot water. Completely illegal. They don't do it anymore. <laughs> Super expensive to fix. Yeah. So we've kind of found a pretty cool option where we do these IBC, um, <clears throat> IBC combi tanks where it's it's got a, a pre-built-in heating loop for the in-floor heat and the hot water. And we're finishing up two of those this week. Oh, and they were, they were cool. It was a lot yeah. of fun to work on both of those furnaces, ACs. We're finishing up a massive project for Amnor NOV where we did 32 bays. So we did 32 new commercial bays, water, gas, rooftop units, kind of getting that all done. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything super exciting. I mean, we're kind of always doing something. I, I, I'm a big believer in thinking outside the box, right? Yeah. Find the stuff that <laughs> other people don't want to do. I would say those are all super exciting. Like, like for, for you, like you do all kinds of different things. So like it's a different level of excitement to maybe someone new to the industry. Like to me, working in a prison would be interesting just to, 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 to be in the environment, yeah. the vibe of things. Right. So I, I, I'm so used to it now that sometimes I don't even realize, like, I hate saying like, but just how, how cool some of the stuff is that we do right yeah. it's uh it, it's unbelievable i don't just do residential i don't just do commercial yeah. i don't just do industrial right we're doing i'm actually designing a system for a guy right now for water recycling so he's got a, a cabinetry shop where he builds all all kinds of huge industry cabinets and stuff and his machines are all water fed and his water bill is 1400 a month and he's Holy. Hey, how can you, can you help me with this? I said, yeah. I said, I did one for Weatherford four years ago. Like I took one out of Lloyd Minster and basically rebuilt it for them here in Edmonton to recirculate and reuse their water and got the permitting approved from the city. So I said, I, I got to do a little research. I said, cause they already had the system. So I yeah. went to, I went there, dismantled it, brought it back, put it back together again. Right. So that's kind of cool. Those yeah. are fun. That's, that's that, the sort that of stuff I, yeah. I, uh, I've been pretty blessed with that, you know, uh, right before COVID started, I was in California. I went to California to disassemble a plant in California, bring it here to Edmonton and rebuild it. That's sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, we'll, we'll take it on, man. Whatever. Oh, it is. man. That's for like potential like tradespeople. Like, uh, like the trades can take you places. Like that would be oh. entice me. Right. Uh, I always said actually that I would like if I didn't get into like carpentry, if I thought about a different career, I'd probably still be in the trades, but I'd probably be like in the mechanical field, I think is where, where I would have wound up because I don't know what it is. I like working with metal. Um, I like I like uh, listening to you guys talk about like servicing like equipment and like designing and building things to essentially like bring air, which is like the life, <laughs> the life force that we need to survive <laughs> into, yeah, into places like that stuff's my favorite, right? My, yeah. my favorite stuff is always the design build, the trying to make something, something for somebody that they didn't have, you know, that's, yeah. that's the best stuff. That's the, that's the stuff that I'm passionate about, right? Is when somebody says, Hey, can you do this? Yeah, sure. I'll find a way. I can do anything. Enough time and money. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, exactly. 
Now, what's the best way for people to, um, I mean, either get in touch with you or learn about you and Soul Mechanical? Like, where, where definitely we our web, our website, our social media, right? Soulmechanical.ca. There's lots of information. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, any of those, any of those channels. Yeah, uh, my number Soul Mechanical, right? Them. Yeah, just Soul Mechanical. S O U L. Uh, that's what I, I have to tell everybody. It's not S O L E. It's S O U L. I've been actually fortunate. I've only actually had one person ask me once. It's like, is it, you know, is it with with an E or without an E? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and but yeah, yeah. And I mean, reach out anytime, right? You you call my office. You get two for sales. You'll get me every time. That's that's kind of my where you find me, but uh, happy to talk to anybody who's interested in the trades or interested awesome. in mechanical. And There you have it. Perfect. There you have it. That's, that's us in a nutshell. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining me on this podcast. Uh, this uh, it was great. Kyle. I, uh, fantastic I episode. Well, there you have it. So good. We didn't even get passed through the first section of the format. For those who wanted to learn more about what the trades could do for you or where it could take you, Jeremy is the guy to talk to. Thanks again, Jeremy. It's new follower time on Podbean. It's the format we use to upload our podcasts. Listeners who join can follow specific podcasts and we get to know. I'd like to welcome our new followers, King Scott 747, Clayton Stenson, Andrew HF, and Marina Coulomb 93. Shout out to my sister-in-law. Well, that's another podcast in the books. I hope you all have great plans for the upcoming fine weather we're about to have. So get outside, keep it safe, and keep it sexy. Bye for now. You're listening to a dynamic, innovative podcast.